As we come back with our two of the game, Sage is playing us some uh, Limp Biscuit, and I, I'm s- quickly trying to find out if Limp Biscuit has had his concert yet in KC. That's tomorrow night. Limp Biscuit tomorrow night will be at the Cable Dahmer Arena with three other uh, guest performers I've never heard of. <laughs> That'll be a good show. Let me. I'm gonna look at Limp Biscuit's uh, set list. Because I remember before John Kurtz left, we talked about going to see, um, let's see, this actually would have been the weekend K-State played Stanford in Arlington. On the way back, we were going to catch a Limp Biscuit show at a, a, a festival called Rocklahoma. Okay. And actually, I think it was on the way down. I think he was going to play that Friday. Game Saturday. Yeah, we'd be pretty tired, but we'd get there. And then... On the way back, I I don't think we would go back. We would just kind of somehow get our way back. Traffic was terrible going down to that game. Terrible. <laughs> They're on the highway. Um, playing fifteen songs. I think it'd I'd do more really? than that. That looks pretty good though. Pretty good song. The songs, of course, everybody wants to hear. Break stuff would be the finish. All right. I know AEW is getting ready to come to. Cable Dahmer, that's in a couple weeks. You got your tickets? I do. I bought four. Trying to find some folks to go. Do you want to go? you have any interest? Uh, I think I'll pass on that one. I knew you would. Knew you would. The kid's not open-minded. What? No, wait wait Sting is going to be there, for God's sakes. Sting. Not police. Yeah, I know. I know. Not the sting that I would like to see. Yeah. The sting that's still taking bumps <laughs> at 63 years old. And we're worried about Ric Flair. He, oh, well, he's in his 70s. What? Yeah. Come on. So throughout the show, throughout the first hour, I, I said it multiple times. It was in reference to the Royals being a trash organization right now. Patrick Mahomes needs to get them into shape, start yeah. firing some folks right away. Um, but um, I, I've mentioned enough is enough, and it's time for a change. That is an Owen Hart quote. The reason I've been bringing up that as well is because of this. Mm. Here at uh, in Kansas City, uh, tragedy befell the World Wrestling Federation and all of us. Owen Hart was uh, set to make an entrance from the ceiling, and uh, he fell from the ceiling. And I have the unfortunate responsibility let everyone know that Owen Hart has died. Owen Hart has tragically died from that accident here tonight. That was 23 years ago today. Owen Hart fell from the ceiling in Kemper Arena, which is now High V Arena, I believe. There, just over the border in Kansas City. He fell about 70 feet to his death uh, right there in front of 16,000 people uh, at a WWF pay-per-view called Over the Edge. Um yeah, that's still uh, Dark Side of the Ring. There was a show on Vice called Dark Side of the Ring that did a, a, a great documentary on this situation. After watching that, I've lost a ton of respect for Vince McMahon uh, for what happened that night. I saw a press conference that took place, and all he could do is be worried about the tone of the media asking questions. That really bothered Seriously? me. I mean, we found out. I, I mean, the documentary is, is really interesting. It's only 45 minutes long. But there's a lot of information in there about it. You learn a lot about that, what happened between Owen Hart's family 
and the World Wrestling Federation at the time. She ended up getting a settlement, but she's like that wasn't what this was all about. She wanted somebody to pay for this um, with potentially some jail time. Turns out the WWE like they changed a lot of the rigging equipment because it was cheaper. It was just a really, really, really sad situation. But Owen Hart passing away 23 years ago today in Kansas City. Another reason why I'm mentioning enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Uh, that was a, kind of a tagline of his on his uh, towards the end of his run, unfortunately. All right, um, it's right now a a dead period for. Uh, for college basketball. But there is college football news to talk about. Now, coming up in the next segment, I do want to discuss a 2023 quarterback that is going to be taking a visit to K-State soon, and his name is not Avery Johnson from Mays, Kansas. Well, we get to that here in a little bit. Uh, but first, uh, the SEC playing mind games with the Alliance. That's my opinion. Hmm. But the news coming out earlier today, and I first saw it in a Pete Thamel ESPN article where he talked to Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, saying among the topics that are going to be discussed next week for the SEC meetings, their summer meetings, is that the SEC is potentially going to be, well, they are going to talk about it, but potentially going over a creating, running, and profiting from its own SEC postseason. And what that would mean is they would come up with their own and play their own playoff mm-hmm. to determine an SEC champion. Now, per the Pete Thamel report, it says an eight-team model would be an obvious way to go, but there's no immediate plans moving forward. Greg Sinke did say, and he has stressed, that there's no seismic change that's imminent, but he did mention that the SEC-only playoff is a variety of forms and was among the nearly 40 different models that SEC officials discussed at their fall meetings. Now, let's go back to February, because that's when the discussion was taking place and it was going to be determined or not if the college football playoff would be extended. What Greg Sinking, the SEC, wanted was a 12-team Playoff, of course, the SEC get an opportunity to put multiple teams, more than two, more than three, maybe four teams in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. Now, that wasn't like, if you asked me where I would go with the playoff, I'd probably say eight, but 12 would be certainly entertaining. What I don't like about 12 is that you're going to have some teams not playing that opening. It's too much NFL playoff, too much NFL playoff type of format where you have a wild card round. And on top of it, you're running headlong into, by the way, scheduling issues with the NFL. And so the alliance, which I keep bringing it up like it's Survivor, the alliance of the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, it was reported by Sports Illustrated. They're like, nah, let's not do that. And then it was just nothing happened. And they're just going to stick with this playoff format, the four teams, until 2026, and that's when uh, I'm probably pretty sure before that, of course, it'll be determined after 2026 what to do. Stick with the four teams, but now they're like the SEC's like, well, you know what? Now we're just going to kind of play our own game. Let's maybe do our own playoff 
we'll determine who's the best representative for the SEC and then maybe go a different route with the national championship. To me, that's kind of scary. But also, maybe this is saying, hey, and of course, just my opinion again, maybe this is just, hey, we're still in charge. We're the SEC. We're soon going to be giving out like $90 million per team in our media rights agreement when Texas and Oklahoma get here. We're in charge. We're dictating how this works. Because, and I'm sure, I'm sure they know, and I'm sure the Big Ten will get there at some point. I know the Big Ten, they're actually getting ready to potentially, maybe this weekend, maybe a little after, sign the biggest TV mm-hmm. rights deal in the history of college athletics, where it's, you know, it's going to be like a billion dollars a year or something like that. It's going to actually dwarf the SECs but a little. The Big Ten at some point, and I think it's no doubt, at some point the Big Ten is going to want to expand if they're not working on it already. But they're going to want to compete with the SEC. Mm -hmm. Money, if the SEC is going to go to a playoff format, they're going to make more money. That is more leverage. That's more of a bargaining chip than what the Big Ten has, what the alliance has. And at some point they're they're going to want to expand. Thinking through the feasibility of what the SEC wants to do, I know one of the things that has been mentioned is looking at the potential of scheduling pods, much like we've discussed with the Big 12 going forward. Now you have the NCAA saying that you essentially can select your champion however you want. You don't need to have a championship game going forward, You can, or you can have a championship game but structure it by... Uh, not utilizing divisions. What I'm beginning to pick up on from the SEC in this package would be that they would put those pods together in such a way that they would have, could build what would be a semifinal weekend and a final weekend. So they take the top four out of each scheduling pod for their semifinals and the winners advance to the championship game. Kind of what I think that they're leaning towards with what they're doing here. Would be interesting. There's no doubt about that. Well, it would change so much. Though. Oh, absolutely. What what it would I, change everything? Well, and and here's what I think would be an item that my friends in places like the SoCon and uh, the FCS level squads. Remember, we all mock the SEC for their late in season matchups against the FCS programs say, like the Citadel playing Alabama, those are probably going to be out at that point because of the fact that they can do much better financially by putting together a structure like this. Well, I know, But it would tighten the schedule. So to build off what you just said, maybe not completely eliminate the FCS matchup, but their non-con would shrink. Yes. Because right now the SEC is playing and, four. And the, F- and the FCS teams would be the obvious would be the obvious ones that go bye-bye because they want to get as much strength as possible before playing those semifinals. Well, Nick Saban has said it himself. He he would rather have – they would rather go a nine a nine-game conference season and play three non-cons. So they would take one non-con out of there. Maybe if kind of what the Big 12 does, have mm-hmm. the three non-cons at the beginning of the season and then to play your conference games. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would just eliminate the late FCS opponent – 
But I know Nick Saban has been in big favor of that. But I'm, it's also going to be discussed. Like the SEC is like literally thinking about maybe we go ten conference games and just have the two non-conference. And then if that's the case, you're tacking on two playoff games beyond the twelve. Then you're talking a fourteen-game season, depending on how the how big the playoff would be, and. Sure. Then you're also getting into bowl season. So that that's where another ginormous change would make mm-hmm. would be made. Yeah, I mean, just from a scheduling standpoint, I'm you know we already have the championship weekend butting up against the start of bowl season, and ESPN makes a good amount of money on uh, the event side of that, in that they run how many of those bowl games. Well, and also consider, I mean, the the Big 12 is getting ready to, I say getting ready, I mean, here in a few years, Mm -hmm. they're going to be now going over their new TV deal. Mm -hmm. And I know Bob Bowlesby, before he made his announcement that he's going to be stepping away at some point, like in the next year and a half, who knows when that's going to be. But he did mention that the Big 12 would no doubt be willing to go somewhere else than ESPN or Fox. Didn't say where. But as you know, uh, the SEC is getting ready to leave CBS. CBS is going to be a major player. NBC is going to be an interesting player the next time around. And they've all had bids in for the Big Ten package. The interesting part of that is that Fox, their media rights side at Fox, listened into what the other presentations were. Because Fox was already going to be locked into a certain segment of it and listened in on what CBS and what NBC were offering. I find that to be odd and a little questionable, well, the, the, but, that's, the, but that's how they wound up going about the negotiations. The, the whole thing is so odd. You th- they just throw out the idea, the SEC does, Greg Sankey does, of just potentially having a playoff. And now everybody, depending on your market... You're starting to think for yourselves and throwing out all the hypotheticals like, how does this affect the Big 12? How is this Mm going to affect their bargaining chips when they're trying to get a better deal with TV deals Mm -hmm. in a couple of years? Meanwhile, you have Disney, I'm sure, poking Greg Sankey in the SEC, prodding them into, hey, let's make as much money as we possibly can. Item that came up over the weekend that I saw on the media front The discussion of how quickly does Disney actually move ESPN to a complete direct-to-consumer package and bypass cable altogether? Well, it's funny you bring that up because my first thought is, I wonder how much those uh, your, your cable subscription price would drop because of ESPN is a pretty big reason why. Currently, it's $7. If memory serves me correctly, $7 is per, what you are paying for yeah. ESPN and its uh, associated channels. If you have a subscription with a cable company or like YouTube Correct. TV. Yeah. Correct. Not just that, like ESPN Plus. No. Uh, just the straight ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN News package as part of your subscriptions uh, through Cox, for example. I'm paying it because, well, okay, yeah. I can get Bally this way and watch the Royals, which may job. not be a, which may not be a good purchase on the part of me right now. But 
Well, you're, you're, valid point. It is my job. I, yeah. the, the write-off isn't very pretty with the IRS, but it is my job. Um, but when you look at that, ESPN is the number one item, number one subscription fee item in cable packages because of how high that subscription rate is in terms of what you as viewers are paying. Well, and think about it today. A lot of people are cutting the cable. Oh, I, I can't speak for every company out there, but mm-hmm. I know there's some out there that to get cable, you don't have to go with ESPN. You don't have to get the sports package or the sports channels to be able to watch TV. It needs to be completely revamped. It needs to be completely redone. But unfortunately, people are so locked into what they're making financially off of those packages. See, this is where, and I don't know if we've talked about this, where Denver is in an odd situation because they are now going on three seasons without being able to view the Nuggets and the Avalanche in their own market because of a fight over just where on the cable spectrum and what the subscription fee should be for that regional sports network that Stan Kroenke owns along with the teams. Altitude. And Comcast wants to put it on an upgraded, essentially, basically a second tier of subscription. Kroenke wants it on the basic. Because then you're making everybody pay for it. See, if I remember, I think ESPN, mostly you'll get that on like a basic package. Mm -hmm. But if you want the extra stuff like ESPNU, Mm -hmm. for instance, maybe the SEC network, there you have to pay a little bit extra. Correct. It's probably in ESPN's best interest to stick with what they got instead of going just full on, we're going to be completely separate, we're going to be like a Netflix, and you buy in to our service or not. Because they're still making that seven bucks per Mm -hmm. month off every subscription. Mm Mm-hmm. Off of YouTube TV or Cox or whoever. Mm -hmm. They're still getting that money if you're not a sports fan or not. By the way, this is also why it costs you so much to try to cut the cable now. And why, you know, YouTube TV went from actually being a reasonable rate to one now that almost rivals what you are paying for cable. It's really sad that that's played out that way, but it's the same business structure. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the networks definitely have the upper hand in this because the moment that you have a network that doesn't show up that you want on your cable system or on that streaming package, you're making noise about it. Did we get off topic? We did, but it it, it ties in. Yes, it certainly does. Because it's going to impact rights fees going forward for all of the all of the conferences. It's one of the many hypotheticals out there on what exactly an SEC conference playoff and how much it could shake up college, just college football, college athletics, TV rights. Can you imagine the streaming problems for an SEC for an SEC only playoff? Well, I mean, think about the procedure. Would you? They would all get from it just by throwing playoff next to a matchup, even though sure. it's just in conference. And you know who's going to be probably in that conference championship anyway. Sure. I'm just thinking about how, mu- how, how much it, trying to stream it would be in terms of choking the entire system. We'd find out what the internet could do, that's for sure. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, of course, we got number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything. But when we come back, 2023 quarterback 
has scheduled a visit with K-State. More on him when we come back. The game continues. If you've missed any of the show, guys, we podcast every show. Sage does a great job of getting those online. Many options. You can go to listen to the show when it's not live. Go to newsradiokman.com. You can search for us on SoundCloud, The Game, K-M-A-N, or just wherever you get your podcasts on your iPhone app, Spotify, whatever. Search for The Game, K-M-A-N, and you'll be able to listen to us on the road, when you're working out, in the shower, whatever. Now, I personally don't like to hear Troy's voice when I'm in the shower, but when I'm driving, it's fine. Yeah, you you just made it very uncomfortable, <laughs> especially for a guy who has to chat in the morning on top of being here in the afternoon. Oh, Troy. The, trust me, the joke for years has been how many times pe- that uh, people have told Monica, yes, I wake up to your husband every morning. <laughs> yes, that is the old morning show radio joke. It has been told to her and then people go, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend has never told me that. Oh, hey, somebody told me they wake up to you, and then she slaps me. Yep. It's never happened. No, I've never gotten slapped by Monica. It's more the poor person who said it than realizes how exactly they said it and how that can be construed. I've never been slapped by Lindsay. Now, occasionally, you know, she'll plant one on the backside, but... I mean, she almost broke my hip the last time she did it. (laughs) (laughs) Made my leg buckle. I was like, geez. What did you do to the poor girl? Take it easy, Holyfield. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do to the poor girl? I did nothing. Uh Uh-huh. I did Uh nothing. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Where are we at here? Okay. 2023 quarterbacks. It got a little interesting today. Give a shout to, uh, as I'm going to reference their articles, K-State Online, also uh, Kellis Robinette, Kansas City Star, and Wichita Eagle. Give them the credit they, de- they deserve right now. Found out earlier today, it's going to be coming up on June 17th, Aiden Childs, he's a 6'4", 195-pound, three-star dual-threat quarterback out of Downey, California. That's a suburb of Los Angeles. I was told it's not a great area. Um he is going to be taking a visit to K-State. Now, I, I tell you how often I keep up with recruiting. I've never been the best at it. This is the first I'm hearing of his name. But uh, he does have some pretty impressive offers, a lot of Pac-12 offers, Washington, Washington State. Oregon has offered him. Oregon State has as well. There's six other schools also fighting for Aiden Shiles as well. Now, he is making his visit to K-State. I've watched a little bit of film on him. I haven't seen a whole lot of him. I also haven't really been able to find a whole lot of film, but he doesn't look too bad. He's pretty mobile. It does look like he's at, he has good feet. I don't know if I'd put him past Avery Johnson, but here's where it gets interesting. I think there's no doubt about it for K-State. Their number one interest at 2023 quarterback, Avery Johnson, Mays, 6'2". He's a four-star in getting attention all over the country. But he's a Kansas kid. He's been in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Now, if we are asked the coaching staff, asked Taylor Bratt, 
you know, how confident are they to uh, land Avery Johnson, who's most likely going to make his decision before the uh, Elite 11 camp, which is uh, June 28th. So before that, so like, what, a month away? Yes. Um, how confident would they be? I don't know. I, I, I don't have an idea. I mean, if Taylor Brown or anybody out there wants to send me a, a DM and let me know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'll share on air. I just love an idea. I wonder if it's like, I wonder if that's bad luck. Like in baseball, like if you talk about the pace of play, hey, it's a really quick game. All of a, then it's going to just slam on the brakes. Yeah, and take Bartolo Colon comes on to pitch at that point. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's one of those deals. You know, if, if recruiters talk about how confident they are in a recruit, yeah, and then all of a sudden it. don't they jinx, jinx it. it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the Avery Johnson news, you know, it's it's been out there for a while. He's really good, but then he got invited to the Elite Eleven. And it's, it's, it's something he's talked about mm-hmm. where he's been wanting to compete in that all his life. A lot of elite quarterbacks, of course, have gone through that. A lot of Heisman Trophy winners and candidates have competed in that. But now he's going to get his opportunity next month in L.A. He's getting more mm-hmm. interest from other schools that scare you a little bit. Texas A&M, LSU. So there's we got from the SEC, you got UCLA. Miami, that's scary. Mm-hmm. The John Ruiz. First he got Nigel Pack. Now he's gonna is he gonna come get Avery Johnson? I don't know. Michigan is in there as well. Plus, not to mention like 25 other schools that have already had contact with them. Now, it is said that Avery Johnson is going to visit Oregon. He already has a relationship with the Oregon offensive coordinator in uh Kenny Dillingham. Now he already recruited Johnson to Florida State. He then takes the job at Oregon. Mm. He continues that process. That is scary. I'll be quite honest with you. But I do like the backup plan in Aiden Childs. Clearly the goal for K-State is they don't want to have to year in and year out go to the transfer portal to find a quarterback to right. start that season. Right. People forget, I'm sure a lot of people have forgotten by now, they had picked up a quarterback for 2022, a three-star, and Adrian Lara from Arizona. That's going to be a part of this year's mm-hmm. uh, team, of course. But he's a freshman. But we all know what's behind Adrian Martinez. And it feels like it's still guys a long way from being a very profitable quarterback. I mean, Will Howard, of course, has a ton of experience. But, of course, you have Jake Rubley, who hasn't played at all, right? but was and, supposed to be a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And remains, basically, you don't know what you have with Jake Rubley. So it means a ton to that 2023 class. It means a ton if Avery Johnson were to become a Wildcat. Now, I'm not trying to predict the future and say, like, none of these guys are going to work out. They have to go to the portal. That's just something you clearly want to avoid. I mean, heck, look at all the guys that Coach Kleiman, when it comes to quarterbacks, sent to the NFL. I mean, it's not like all those guys that just came in one year. No, it's he had, he had time with those guys. He had he, four years with all of them. He got a lot of work in with them. He can certainly take pride in the development of the guys like Carson Wentz and Skylar Thompson, Easton Stick. Who are now on the NFL, still waiting, you know, for Skyler to get his time. 
but he got he signed that contract. He's going to make some mm-hmm. millions of dollars. You want the guys you can spend some time with. Unfortunately for K-State, the Will Howards and Jake Rubleys, they haven't developed to the next level yet. We have not seen Jake Rubley yet, and who knows if we will or not. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised either one of them haven't transferred yet with the current climate of recruiting, right. transfer portal. Right. Not saying like it's because of their character or anything they would do something like that. It's, it's just the way recruiting is. That's just where I get that idea from. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great nothing point. Nothing against the team, nothing against those two gentlemen. No, it's just a matter of maximizing their opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Simple as that. But from what I've seen, I mean, you're talking two dual-threat quarterbacks who are great with their feet. Avery Johnson has a, sol- a solid arm. I mean, it would be a monster get. Absolute monster get. Aiden Child's a backup. He'll be in town next month. I'd feel pretty good about him as well, but he's not as talented as Avery Johnson. Got a bigger frame. Got a bigger frame, but he's not the four-star kid that the whole country wants. Mm-hmm. That would feel like the gigantic win Recruiting-wise, K-State hasn't had in quite some time. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, your number one song of the day is coming up next. From 1966, Reach Out, I'll Be There by the Four Tops. Two weeks at number one. Vocal Quartet from Detroit, Michigan. They helped define that Motown sound in the 60s. Here it comes. Levi Stubbs, Abdul Duke Fakir, Obi Benson, Lawrence Payton. The original lineup were together for over 40 years until 1997. That's when their first change of personnel took place. Now, Fakir is the only one. He's the last of the member still alive and he is still out there doing his thing four tops were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1990 and in 2004 rolling stone ranked them the 79th best in the top 100 greatest artists of all time 27 studio albums 24 top 40 hits so this is the second of two number one hits all right the motown songwriting team of eddie holland lamont dozier and Brian Holland, who I like to call HDH. <laughs> Got a Holland in there. Uh-huh. Uh, two of them, as a matter of fact. They wrote this, and Dozier explained that the writing team, they had a discussion about what women really want most from their man. And after talking about some of their experiences with women, they all agreed And what a woman wants more than anything is for their man to stick through with them through thick and thin. 
Sage, do you agree with that? She's shaking her head yes. I mean, I generally think it's yes, good to stick with your partner and try to push through those difficult times. Yeah. yeah. So that's how this song was born. Now, HDH, they told the lead singer Levi Stubbs, when you sing this, sing like Bob Dylan, like he did in Like a Rolling Stone. So I've Sajay play this again. Interesting. And see if you get the Bob Dylan feel from it. By the way, after they recorded this song, they gave him the nickname Black Dylan. So after I mentioned Bob Dylan, do you kind of hear a hint of Bob Dylan style when you hear it back? Because I do. Slightly. But it's in there a little bit. A little hanging on the words a little more. At the end. A little bit. All right, what else do we have here? All right, so the Four Tops, they recorded this song in just two takes, which I felt is pretty impressive. It would take me multiple takes. It takes me multiple takes. Just record a minute and a half sports report. Because I have an issue with stumbling on words. I think everybody knows that. In 2022, this year, this was selected by the Library of Cron... <laughs> Here we go. Library of Congress to preserve in the National Recording Registry. And Rolling Stone later ranked this version... On their top 500 greatest songs of all time, it's time for the guessing game. Where did Rolling Stone rank this song on their top 500 of all time? We'll go with Troy first. 75th. I want to go higher. I'd say I'll go 100. Troy was off by three. 78. Whoa. Man, go buy a lottery ticket. Dang. Maybe go bet the ponies later. Oh well, you guess you don't have the we don't have the apps yet, do we? We're working on it. Yeah. Come on, FanDuel. <laughs> All right. What do you guys say? Uh, we'll take a quick break. Sage is gonna be hosting Ask Us Anything. Sajay takes over next. Representing the Boys and Girls Club of Hutch, Kansas, here's Sajay. Yeah, all right. So ask us anything. What is the most boring sport, in your opinion? Make some of your fans mad. Man, going right for the throat today. <laughs> if it's not a major, I'm not watching golf. Interesting. Yeah, that's fair. Well, see, I don't really watch much golf. Like, I mean, sorry, golfers, but I mean, just watching on TV, as I'm not a golfer, it, it it's it's a very boring sport. Well, mm-hmm. golf is traditionally, yes, the very stereotypical boring sport for Sunday sure. nap. <laughs> Let's see. What would I put next to golf? If I had to pick something else, I mean, tennis. Tennis is up there. I try not to rag on baseball too much, but I, it can I, be boring. I knew that after the weekend, we weren't going to get soccer out of him. No. Oh, no. For an answer. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Even though I don't watch a ton of soccer. Um 
now that I know like the ins and outs of the game, like how like formations work mm-hmm. and all that, the rules, it's much more entertaining. It's a chess matchup out there. Soccer took me a little bit to get used to because I feel like the first time I watched soccer live, I expected it to go faster. For some reason, my brain was like, oh, it's going to be really quick. And then it was like way slower than mm-hmm. I anticipated. I was like, oh, this is what happens in soccer. <laughs> well, it gets really entertaining. Like I'll mention what I mentioned in the first hour, the Premier League final day, Man City, Manchester City is just attacking with aggressiveness of full force against Villa. And they were just, they had total control of the match. It was just a matter of time before they were going to score, but that was entertaining. Like, you could see the buildup happening. You know, it was going to happen. They were going to score. They just happened to score three goals in five minutes. (laughs) Then, next question What is your messiest quality? (sighs) (laughs) Okay, I got to ask about the forming of this question. Like, are you asking by the perspective of a messy person? Because I'm a messy person. Yeah, I guess it's like what you do, maybe like your significant other says, hey, stop doing this. You Like, for instance, I leave cups all Uh, over the place. Well, she says I need to listen better. That's, I mean, it's true. (laughs) I'm I'm just, I I forget things. Like, I have a terrible uh, short-term memory. Yeah. So I forget things a little easier. But maybe I'd I'd be better if I listened, you know, closely. Maybe that's it. Um, Messy quality, I mean... I haven't been in a fight since I was in sixth grade, so I don't know if I can put the Dukes up, but... (laughs) Tend to stack things up. Okay. Like, explain that. (laughs) Uh, Tend tend to stack things up, say, for example, come in having gotten the mail and just lay it on the kitchen table and Ah, that's it. I see. I also, I'll 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 throw this out there as well. Maybe this is one of those things. I have a tough time staying on task with, like, one thing. Like, when I'm preparing for the show, I have a bunch of ideas in my mind, like today, Royals, SEC considering a playoff. I'm, like, studying both of those at one time. Mm-hmm. I bounce back and forth. I cannot just focus on one thing. Yeah, let's okay. not let's not talk about what goes through my head when I go to bed at night. Because my, my, brain, my brain starts thinking forward to too many things. I start oh, going, yeah. okay, I've got to do this tomorrow. Oh, I'm yeah. looking to do this. Hey, that would be a great topic to discuss. No, yeah, I can't, then I, I can't, can't get shut down. Way, yeah. I can't get shut down. Well, it looks like I need a mow today. Hey, honey, do we have any cheese? Do I need to go to the store? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm laying in bed going, I really need to fall asleep is what oh, really yeah. needs to happen here. And uh, last question. Pretty simple one. What's your favorite holiday? Hmm. I mean, I love to eat. Thanksgiving. Okay, that's fair. I think we had this question not too long yeah, ago. I, I think, think Big so, yeah. C brought it up. But uh, what I mentioned to him, I was like, you know what? If this is not a federal holiday, we're not. We could go anything. I feel Halloween. like you could go anything. Okay. Halloween. Okay. It's by far the most fun. You can dress up. You could be the biggest weirdo. Like, you can dress up whatever you want. That's true. And people will be so accepting of it. Because it's it's Halloween, <laughs> candy's awesome, having a Halloween party is a blast. Yeah. That's all I got. That's a fair answer. That's, yeah. yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving has food, football. football. Yep. You know. What else do you need? So like a, well, college football, <laughs> maybe the next day. Sage is, she can't count time, so we're just going to leave for Sajay, for Troy, Mitch. 
Go Cats!